Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, you're very welcome to The Tonight Show. The fallout from the Dublin riot continues. The Justice Minister and Garda Commissioner are facing mounting pressure over the policing response to the chaotic scenes last week. Today, workers rallied against hate in the centre of the capital. An immigrant myself and being from, like living in this neighbourhood, it was terrifying what happened on Thursday. Uh, the uncertainty and the, I mean, I was terrified. Also on the programme, Israel and Hamas agree to extend their ceasefire by two more days as more hostages are released tonight. With this reaction from the Israeli Defence Forces. Our hostages are not lost. We won't sit around and hope they're found. Pressure is mounting on Garda management and the Justice Minister over the fallout from last week's riot in Dublin city centre. Opposition parties are set to ensure the chaotic scenes dominate dial business this week. Meanwhile, hundreds of workers gathered in Dublin city centre today at a lunchtime vigil to show their solidarity with the victims of Thursday's knife attack in the capital and those injured in subsequent rioting in the city. General, my experience has been very positive here, but of course, like being an immigrant myself and being from, like living in this neighborhood, it was terrifying what happened on Thursday. Uh, the uncertainty and the, I mean, I was terrified. So it's, it's lovely to see this kind of gestures from the community, like standing up for each other and supporting each other. I wanted to show love and solidarity with the community around Parnell Square. I think this is devastating for them. You'd hear it on the train, there's hate for a lot of people from marginalized groups everywhere. Um, and it's important for us to stand up and say it's not okay, it's not what we agree with, because it, it's in pockets everywhere and it has been for some time. Well, I'm joined now to discuss this further by Fianna Fáil TD, James Lawless, Labour Senator Marie Sherlock, Gripped Media Editor, John McGurk, and Green Party Councillor and former Dublin Lord Mayor, Hazel Chu. You're all very welcome to the programme. I'm going to start with you, James, because a lot of reports in the papers over the weekend looking at the position of Helen McEntee. And reporting in the Sunday Independent, one Fianna Fáil minister said she was out of her depth. There's considerable anger amongst uh, Fianna Fáil backbenchers. Do you share that anger? Look, I think everybody shares the anger at what happened on Thursday night. Um, the events Specifically the to the Minister? Well, as chair of the Justice Committee, I've invited the Minister to come before the Committee. Uh, we Those invites issued at lunchtime today. Uh, we're still waiting for the Minister's response. I expect she will be coming in. Just have to clarify the date and time, but our door is open uh, from now until the door resumes uh, at, uh, all week. So I expect that will happen. So I want the Minister to come in and I want Commissioner Drew Harris to come in. Um, I expect that they both will. Um, we've been sitting, he hearing on issues on policing in the city centre and on policing in the far right uh, over a number of hearings since the summer. And this is at the culmination of, of, of both of those topics. So I fully expect her to come in. Um, Do you think she's done a good job as Justice Minister? 
In certain areas, uh, she's performed well. Uh, I think it's like the domestic violence agenda, um, the licensing reforms, I think, are welcome. Um, I think we need a back-to-basics approach, though. I think we need robust policing. We need law and order. We need more guardian in the streets. We need better intelligence-led policing. Uh, we need, actually, investment in community policing as well, let's say, hand-in-hand -hand with that. And it should not be a surprise that what happened Thursday night happened. So she's failed, what you're saying is, she's failed at basic law and order. I'm saying that uh, we need to see a return to basics, uh, back to basic policing. We haven't had that, and there's been a softly, softly approach. My own opinion, that's not good enough now, given the situation that we're in, and we need to get old school uh, and go back to... One okay, of the... I want to come to that in a minute, but yeah. just, I suppose, to stick to the issue yeah. of a feeling amongst Fianna Foilers yeah. that yeah. Helen McEntee yeah. needs to go, that she is not up to the job and that they don't have confidence mm. in her as the Justice Minister to sort this out. Do you? Yeah, I'm not saying she needs to go, but I'm saying that the, the system needs to improve. Uh, if that means the Minister refocusing on bread and butter issues, uh, perhaps that's part of the solution. Um, I've made it clear for a couple of years, uh, as chair of the Justice Committee and as individual TD, where I think the emphasis should be placed. Um, the city centre has been out of control in parts for a couple of years since Despite the pandemic. Despite saying that it's been safe? I don't think it's safe. And I think most of my constituents who travel in from Kildare to uh, commute through the city centre don't think it's safe. And if you speak to the retailers, as I have done, uh, on O'Connor Street and in the centre business districts, uh, talk to any of the publicans, the restaurants association, they don't think it's safe. So, of course, it's safe at certain times and certain places, but that the feeling of anxiety and unease, and there's a menace. And that menace came into the city during COVID, I think during the pandemic. Um, I think when law-abiding citizens retreated to lockdowns to their homes and didn't go into town, uh, a certain element took hold in the city uh, and haven't let go and haven't been forcibly moved on or, you know, um, taken into check. So, OK, do you agree with that, <coughs> Marie Sherlock, that assessment? Well, look, I, I think the first thing to say is I think we're all shattered by what happened last um, last Thursday. And I know the school well, I know the the creche well. And, and like, you know, I, I, I think these were daily routines in terms of the after-school care and, and, and uh, you know, the collection. And to think that this happened in broad daylight. But I think what has, you know, really, really horrified us is that this was waiting, we, like, I was there in the square at, at Parnell Square at half three on Thursday. Mm. You know, it was ugly then. It was very clear that once darkness was going to fall, that something was going to happen that night. And it was a failure at the top, the very top of Avangarda Shiakana, that last night, last Thursday night's writing happened. It was a failure on the, half, on, the, on the part of government. And this is not just about one minister. This is a whole of government failure here. Because okay, so, we are but we dealing... have, I suppose, um, but, but, but to a lot you... just we have, Marie Sherlock, we have other opposition parties, including the Sock Dems and Sinn Féin, suggesting that they might table a motion of no confidence in Helen McEntee. Mm. But Labour Party don't agree with that. Why? Well, it's not that we don't agree, but what, what, what we're saying is there has to be accountability, right? And I'm very clear that there was an absolute failure at the top of Vanguard and O'Connor. There's also a failure within government. So but what the would thing you is, vote well, then? Would you vote confidence in Helen McEntee? I, don't have, any, I don't have any confidence in Helen McEntee, but I'll tell you though, right, we're, we're wasting time talking about the change of one minister when it is a range of ministers and it is Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the Green Party in government who have failed here with regards to policing. Because to go back to your original 
crucial question about feeling safe, right, about mm -hmm. safety, particularly in the north inner city. There is the, the, the statistics about the number of incidents and there's about feeling safe. And every t and, and we talk to you know people in my community the whole time and they don't feel safe walking around. Okay, and so the emotions of no confidence, you feel you're a bit of a distraction at this point. Listen, the, the key thing here is we can change the person at the top, but that is no silver bullet for the issues, the long-standing issues that have been going that are going on in the ground. We have seen that like the garden numbers are barely running to stand still. We have three, we sorry, we have five. Uh, juvenile liaison officers for the whole of the north central area a tiny number in terms of trying to deal with crime prevention community policing has been decimated over okay. the last number of years we need to get real about guard recruitment and this government has not been real about it there's been okay. lots of announcements but nothing done on the ground. John McGurk you've said you don't have confidence in the justice minister you don't think her position is tenable do you think the guard commissioner's position is tenable? No I don't and I feel very sorry for the guardian on the ground I mean one of the things, Mick O'Toole from the Star the other day reported, a report that didn't get very much attention, was that there were a lot of Gardaí there on Thursday night who had no idea in what circumstances they were allowed to use force. Who saw last year, or actually earlier this year, one of their colleagues um, face charges for pursuing a criminal down the motorway. Um, those charges are still before the courts, we can't comment on them, but there are a lot of Gardaí who are aware of them. We see Gardaí leaving the force in record numbers, um, hundreds um, over the last couple of years because of pay and conditions. Um, and we also see, have seen, frankly, I mean, one of the most absurd spectacles that we saw over the over weekend was actually not Thursday night, but Friday night, when in the city centre, in the wake of what happened on Thursday, we suddenly had surge policing onto O'Connell Street. And there was footage on the internet of kind of ceremonial thumpings of, of drunks and people who were behaving badly. And all of a sudden, that kind of policing could be achieved. Where was it the previous ride in? Well, is that, is that the or, type of policing we want, Hazel? Well, yeah. No, it's not. Hold it's on not, It's not the type of policing we want, John. And the type of policing we have had in this state is policing by uh, with consensus. And part of what we Has have... Well, no, no, part of oh. what we had... It did work. It used to work. We had proper community policing around the city, and it did work once upon a time. You had guardy, You had various uh, sections of the city that had four or five community guards, and it worked because they knew the people within the community. The, they the worked with the people in the community, it, and it worked. It, it is okay, utterly nonsensical to suggest that the discontent in the inner city at the moment is because of a lack of community police officers. If that is what our political class think, then they should all go. It is nothing to do with that. It, what it is more about, the discontent that we saw on Thursday, is about communities that have not been listened to by any of these three people. Okay, so I, 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 to be honest with you, John McGurk, I don't know if everybody would call what we saw on Thursday discontent. Mm. It was widespread what, what violence would, and looting. What, what else would you call it? Widespread I, I, violence and looting. Second, you're putting words in our mouth here, I'm, right? I, I, okay. I, I didn't put any words no, in you, your you mouth. You actually have. Nobody else right? on this panel has been interrupted yet, but apparently I can be interrupted. Let me finish the point. You, you, it, it was despicable what happened on Thursday night. It was lawless and it was ridiculous. But there are an awful lot of young people out there and a lot of people in the inner city who say, oh, well, they're calling it far right. They're calling it disgraceful. But that's also what they called us when we protested peacefully in East Wall. That is also what they called us when we protested peacefully okay. in Salons want... and Rosslare okay. and Killarney. And it makes no difference because no matter what we say, they don't listen to us. And I um, made the debate over whether all of those were completely peaceful. But I want to just go back to you, James Lawson, mm. because you did say at the beginning of this that mm. we need to go back to old-fashioned, mm. more robust, yeah. policing. What yeah. does that look like? It means visibility. It means like Friday night uh, and over the weekend when we had significant numbers of police on the street. Uh, we need to see a guard of presence. Um, you can walk the entirety of Dublin City Centre District uh, for the last couple of years and never come across a guard. Um, you can have... But you can have all the guards on the street that you want 
James Lawless. But as John has said, and mm. as uh, Michael O'Toole, yeah. the crime editor, yeah. is tweeting, yeah. if they feel yeah. Yeah. unsure about how they can react, then it makes no difference. And if people generally feel, and if you think the policing yeah. is too soft, yeah. the style of policing is yeah. too soft, then having extra guardy mightn't change anything. Yeah, so Michael O'Toole's piece actually quoted me saying that uh, the guards need to be empowered to do whatever they need to do, and they cannot be looking over their shoulder at a GSOC inquiry. The case that John referenced, and we won't get into the, the actual case, but I have uh, plans to bring a private members bill before the door in terms of hot pursuit. If guardy are pursuing criminals, they shall not be subject to sanction themselves. Um, it, it, it's actually. I'm just wondering how far you think guards should be able to go. What does that look like? It looks like a proportionate reasonable response. As we've had for centuries in common law, when, when a guard, a law enforcement officer, intervenes in a riot situation, a public order situation, it's it, it's pretty well settled in law. Okay, but here's the talking about extra far. community policing. And I completely agree with that. Is? I completely agree with that as well. But let's look at a riot. You cannot community police your way out of a riot. You can deal with small, low-level antisocial behaviour through community policing, and I'm a big fan of community policing, but what okay. we saw the other night, the uh, streets were lost, the capital was lost for four or okay, five hours. Okay, I would hours. let... Oh, we all there. seem to be focusing on, on what to do when a riot happens, but what we need to do is prevent the riot. That That is the point you need to have when it comes to proper policing. You need prevention, you need proper intelligence, you need people on the ground, you need people uh, on the beat. And to, to John's point about people not being listened to, there, there is a degree here. When you have ethno-nationalists with a distorted view um, going out in, in, in droves, causing an issue, that's not a proper protest here, John. So let's not confuse uh, what a proper protest and proper rally is to, to, to the groupings that you're describing. So the groupings that you're describing are people out to cause violence and discontent and whip up fear when there is a when there shouldn't be. Okay, let's respond First of all, the idea that people are out whipping up fear, and I'm not here to defend any nutcase ethno-nationalist, but there's a reason they're the only people who these people in these communities seem to be listening to. Whipping up fear, she said after three schoolchildren were stabbed on the streets by somebody who frankly should not have been in this country. Should not have, let me let me finish the point. An Irish citizen, yes, but somebody who uh, was reported by John Mooney in the Sunday Times came here in the year 2000, was issued with a deportation officer. And appealed uh, uh, that and appealed it successfully and was made an Irish citizen. And according to the Sunday Independent has never worked a day in his life. And it's not the first incident, it's not the first incident. Let me finish this point. Ryan Casey, the boyfriend of Ashley Murphy asked a very reasonable question in court in his victim impact statement when he said, okay. "How would somebody like?" Are you Let's just talk. Let, I didn't, I, no, no, because no, you because didn't I, cover it when it happened, so don't cut it off now. What we, he said, we was, did actually. What we he, said, what he said, was, I just want to go back because said, your oh, website, John McGurk, has received a lot of criticism this for week. For reporting the news, for choosing to highlight fear. the nationality of the suspect in this night attack at a moment in time when there were hostilities in the in the in the uh, city centre. I'm wondering in what way did you feel his nationality had a bearing on this incident? It was entirely relevant because as subsequent facts have shown, he was somebody who came here, was granted, was, was given citizenship after being issued with a deportation order and has never, according to Sunday Independent, worked a day in his life. It is relevant because of what happened with Joseph Puska, what happened in Sligo with Yusuf Polanyi. It is further relevant, I would say. I mean, it's fascinating that I'm being asked this question because no one is saying the story was untrue. Essentially, the story... No, I'm not, essentially, I never, I'm not, didn't say essentially, it was untrue. I asked you what its relevance yeah, was. It's, it's, essentially, the position now seems to have gone from, you know, we're worried about misinformation and disinformation to all of a sudden you can no longer report true information or you're equipping up fear. And so I, I would question, your fellow journalist, we're, we're discussing journalism, I would question you, what power do you have, Kira, 
or any journalist have to decide what fact the public should or should not know. I'm not saying you're they have... You, so you're I'm saying what journalists I'm, I'm do extreme, have I'm John McGurk, a... but they do have John McGurk, is responsibility. For what? That's what journalists have. Not to overheat an already Not to overheat situation. or inflame an already hostile situation. That's so the responsibility you're, journalists you're, what also you're, What have. your essential position is, is that you, as a journalist sitting in that chair, should decide what information the people watching this programme have, and if you decide that they can't handle it, you don't give it to them. In this okay. case, the information was... True, Rishir, it was relevant. Okay, Michelle, Michelle, I want to let you, you know, respond to that. You know what the really sad thing about it is? Is that John goes after those who uh, are Irish citizens, right, regardless of where they're born, who have done wrong in this country, but fails to talk about the thousands, the thousands of people who have come to this country who do good, who work in our hospitals, work in our retail, and who uh, keep this country afloat every day of the week. And that's the reality of migration into this country. And you are, you are, 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 are propagating this very vile notion about those who come to Ireland. And it is it is wrong. Because the thing is, to go to the point about why last Thursday happened, I very firmly believe there's a small number in this country, right, who are, ex who are just waiting for the right conditions, like last Thursday, to jump on the news that John very gleefully told everybody that it was an Algerian national who had uh, is alleged to have, have, have caused the stabbing. And, 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 and there's a wider group of people who feel disaffected and disenfranchised. They don't necessarily have work. They haven't had necessarily educational opportunity. And there are, and there are gurriers amongst them who were just there for the crack okay. of the night. And, and there's an issue. There's an issue with regards to how we are working within our communities to work with those individuals. And, okay. and to go back to Hazel's point, no, this is important right? Community policing, intelligence on the ground would have known at 3.30 that mm -hmm. day that we needed to get into our communities and ensure mm -hmm. that lads were not going to come together mm -hmm. and head for the inner city, for, head for the city centre yeah. when darkness okay. was going to break. Do you uh, accept, sorry, so, do you so, accept so, John McGurk, that, that the tweet that you put out that day was picked up by far-right agitators, people who tweet things like, enough is enough, Ireland is full. It was used that day, and it was a dog what whistle to bring people out onto the streets. and embarrassing nonsense. First of all... That's a that fact. It was picked up. So was every news report that day. That's the first issue. Second, for you to say that I took glee in reporting the stabbing of three children is just about the most despicable thing I've ever heard an Irish politician say. Third, the idea that we cannot discuss factually the, the details of a case. Why is nobody drawn in John Mooney here from the Sunday Times for reporting two days after the incident that this person faced a deportation order? No, it's gripped media. We're the, the most, by the way, diverse media organisation okay, in the country. OK, we actually had... We had John Mooney here on the programme on Thursday night. So, so he was I here actually reporting that. But the, 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 the issue being, we are the most diverse media... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
media organisation in the country. There are more migrants okay. working for my media organisation than any other. Uh, uh, James, I'll just let you just back in. Yeah. The, the wider point I think that John was making is that politicians are not listening to people in this country, the type of people who came out on Thursday night, whether yeah. they were far-right agitators or opportunistic people who, who looted and, and created yeah. mayhem on our streets. Yeah. But ultimately, they have concerns, is what John is saying, yeah. and you, the yeah. politicians, aren't yeah. listening. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I don't accept that at all. Um, it's hard to talk to people who don't want to hear. And I've had first-hand experience of this. I've multiple international protection centres in my own constituency. There is a legitimate question. The questions can be asked, and there's an engagement exercise, and I've been through it in multiple uh, locations in my own constituency. But there is a small cohort of people who just don't want to believe and don't want to hear and don't want to know the facts. So you can give people information, but their you ears to have to be what? open. Well, you need to tell them the composition or how many people are coming to a particular centre or when they're due to arrive or what the motivation is. They second guess and treble guess and say, well, actually, it's going to be more. It's, and I heard on the internet it's going to be this and it's going to be 500, not 200, and it's going to be all men, it's going to be this and that. The rumour mill goes into overdrive and you can engage to the nth degree, but you cannot engage with someone who doesn't want to hear and actually won't accept what you're saying. So I, I take people at their word. If someone says to me, anyone in this panel says, I'll take, their, uh, I take that uh, uh, in good faith. Uh, but there's a limit to, to, you know, you can't keep repeating the same thing. If people don't believe it, that's their business. Sorry. But just go back to the other oh. night, go back to the events. I, I don't think we should ascribe political motivation to all of the thugs on O'Connor Street and uh, the city centre. I think you had two, uh, twofold. You had uh, groups, many of which were outside the city centre, and the arrests the next day, and there's many more arrests to come, showed that if you look at the address profile right across uh, beyond the mm. city, uh, who very deliberately came into town to cause a riot, uh, most of whom were racially motivated, most of whom were far-right groups, and they were well-organised. They already had their WhatsApps, their telegrams, etc. set up long before Thursday ever happened. But then you also had a group of disaffected youth who I don't think were politically motivated, and I don't think they were discontent. I think they were in for their crack, because they could, because there was no one going to stop them. Why do you burn out a car okay. Because I can. And that's what has to stop. They can't do that again. Uh, Hazel True, do you think attitudes around immigration in this country are hardening? They are hardening, especially when there is not responsible reporting uh, in the country. Not by the likes of yourselves, but I'm saying the likes of uh, uh, John's media platform. And we've discussed this already, so I'm not going to go right round the table again. But we all know here that when a tragedy like Thursday happened, when there are children being uh, the children that is going through senseless violence, the, the first part of call is unity, John. The first part of call is to make sure that everyone is safe. <laughs> no, everyone is safe and that you are a, a united front. So you, unity you, means... No, 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 wait, wait. You, you, you said that we didn't interrupt you, so please don't okay. interrupt me. My point is, in a united front and responsible journal, uh, journalism, you send out a message to say what has happened, the facts behind it, and what should happen then. You do not start describing perpetrators and okay. send out a mob. Okay. That's not what you're I'm, there I'm, to do. I'm sorry, I've been directly addressed. I think John would say that's not what your tweet did. Well, first of all, we reported a fact, which is a fact. No one has disputed it. But I don't think it has the, been 100% established. The, the, I think the, it's still the, the, point, the, the, it? Well, the Guardian don't generally confirm these things, but it's been confirmed by various other media outlets. Um, the, the issue is now apparently we're reporting facts. But let's talk about the, the, the broader picture. Sunday Business Post poll last year found that 75% of people in this country believe there has been too much immigration in recent years. That's three to one, which is exactly the combination, the composition of this panel, people might notice, except in the other direction. Yesterday, a Sunday Business Post poll found that 66% of people mm. find, believe that there have been too much, specifically Ukrainian... I, I can see you winding up to interrupt me again. 66% of people believe there have been too many Ukrainian migrants accepted. The population of Europe over the last 10 years has increased by 1.6%. In Ireland, 
12%. OK, so need, just and, a, okay, One last no, point. Um, briefly. Ronan Lyons, TCD economist, says we need to build 70,000 homes a year. Uh, we're building 30,000. He says we need to build 70,000 to keep up with migration. We can't... Keep, the, the, the fact is, this is putting huge pressure on communities, there's huge anger, okay, and all so these people think... want to blame the mythical far right. The far right are being fuelled by immigration concerns. Immigration concerns are not okay, being fuelled by the far right. To, to, I want to just let you to, uh, to respond to what he's saying. Look, the Sunday Business Post okay. poll shows that there is a conversation to be had about mm. people's concerns about immigration, Absolutely. and we're not able to have it in this country, I think is what John is trying to suggest. Yeah, I don't see why not, because... Even though we're having it you here know, politicians are among the most accessible in the world. Uh, we all do clinics, we all do public meetings, we all knock door to door, um, as I've been engaging non-stop for the last two years on immigration, amongst many, many other things, along with all the usual housing, health, education, schools. Um, it's just one other element in the mix. Um, of course, the system is under strain. You know, you, you don't want to be bonkers not to recognise that. Um, we, there's only so many public halls and disused buildings that can be pressed into service, uh, particularly at a time when we have a housing crisis. But I think the nationality that people occupy those halls or those houses is irrelevant. Um, I think the fact that we have a population uh, struggling to be housed is the real crux of the problem here. Um, and I think the majority of Irish people, I, I, th I take the point John makes that poll suggests that we're struggling with immigration. I think that's a logistical issue for sure. But the majority of Irish people are very open-minded, open-hearted. Many of them had very positive experiences. Uh, don't, you don't scratch Does that reflect any... what's in the polls? I think it does. I think if you ask the question, is anybody in your family, have they travelled abroad or have they uh, uh, an immigration story in, in the family tree? They'll probably say yes. If you say to them, do you think that the building around the corner should be pressed into services in the International Protection Centre, they're going, oh my God, no. There's a bit of a fear of the unknown here as well. But I think if you actually get into the complexity of it, there is a, there is a bit of depth to this. And I think, like any question, it depends how you phrase it. All right, look, we're going to have to leave that conversation there for now. Uh, Dublin on Fire, a Virgin Media news special on last week's riots and the fallout is going to air here on Virgin Media 1 this Thursday at a quarter past ten. We're going to have to leave that there for now. Next, a two-day extension to the Israel-Hamas ceasefire. We get the very latest. Do stay with us. Qatar says Israel and Hamas have agreed to a two-day extension to the current truce, which has seen hostages freed and Palestinian prisoners released. Well, earlier I spoke to independent journalist Noga Tarnopolsky, who's in Jerusalem, and I asked her what could happen over the next eight days and just how difficult were these negotiations. It's hard to say because all of these negotiations go through intermediaries and they're behind closed doors. But it was clear from the start, in fact, I think it was even written into the original agreement, that this deal between uh, Hamas and Israel could be extended following a certain key of how many Israeli hostages Hamas would release versus how many Palestinian prisoners Israel would release in return. And there's been, I mean, even internationally, the hope that the truce, which was put in place to enable this exchange, could continue. Um, Hamas seems to have had trouble locating some of the Israeli hostages in recent days, so it was unclear. But for now, we have two more days and 20 more hostages and 60 more prisoners who will be released. When the next 48 hours lapse, do you think there will be another extension? I'm not a prophet. <laughs> um, I think there could be another extension. 
I don't think these extensions are going to go on forever. We're hearing here that um, Hamas leaders, both Sinwar and Mohammed Def, are actually aiming for a way out of Gaza themselves, some escape route to another country, a way to save themselves. So that may be kind of under the, you know, under the headlines of these negotiations. But I think that um, Hamas may run out of hostages it can easily exchange. And in Israel, um, the government will face significant pressure at some point uh, on two, on, in two regards. On the one hand, pressure to continue saving as many of the hostages as possible. But on the other hand, pressure to complete the military operation, which was aimed at destroying Hamas's military and governing infrastructure. Speaking of Speaking political pressure, we have seen Benjamin Netanyahu have this meeting today with Elon Musk, and you might talk to me about the significance of that. We also see him tonight trying to get through his budget with some difficulty. Does that suggest that this government is becoming more and more unstable? It could be. I mean, the Elon Musk visit is honestly was like a farce. It's very difficult to understand how a prime minister fighting for survival, fighting a war, the first major war in 50 years, could take hours out of his day to tour around the country with a billionaire who is accused of promulgating the worst anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, you know, anyone's heard of. So it's just bizarre, but it does fit with Netanyahu's um, his inclination to join forces with a lot of kind of right-wing libertarian figures. So that was just a bizarre interlude today. Much more significantly, as you mentioned, the government is trying to pass its budget today. And this was supposed to be a war budget. Um, all of the allocations were supposed to be simply for the purposes of fighting the war. And it turns out that's not what's happening. Um, at least one of the ministers from the prime minister's own party is voting against it. Um, a minister who joined the war cabinet, an opposition legislator, is a former military chief of staff. He's voting against it. I hear another minister is going to abstain. So this budget, which is causing a scandal in Israel, will still pass. But it does show that the government is not keeping its word about really basic promises. And I expect that this will cause an uproar. Um, just to a story which has been pretty big here, uh, a statement that was tweeted by our own Taoiseach, our own Prime Minister, as you might call him, uh, Leo Varadkar, about Emily Hand being returned, being lost and now being found. It elicited a pretty strong response from Israel, in particular your Foreign Minister. Why do you think that is? <sighs> well, I mean... <laughs> I think that um, I think that very few Israelis understood the reference that Varadkar was making. I also think Varadkar could have issued a much uh, less elusive and more clear-cut statement, simply welcoming Emily back to freedom. Um, so in Israel, um, many officials and many members of the media jumped on Varadkar's statement uh, literally, as if he were ignorant of the fact that she had been. Uh, kidnapped violently by a terror group who murdered her stepmother, um, and as if he really genuinely thought she had gotten lost in the woods or something. And this has been greeted with huge offense. 
I mean, it's hard to know how seriously to take it, but I have to say that the reaction in Israel has been extreme. All right, Noga Tarnopolsky, thank you for taking the time to speak to us here on The Tonight Show and bringing us that update. Well, my panel is still here with me. Fianna Fáil TD James Lawless, Labour Senator Marie Sherlock, Gripped Media Editor John McGurk and Green Party Councillor and former Dublin Lord Mayor Hazel Shoe. You're all uh, very welcome to the programme, or thank you for staying with me, rather. Uh, James, to come to you first, do you think Israel overreacted here or do you understand the offence that they've taken? Both. Um, I think that there's not a single person in Ireland that didn't know what the Taoiseach meant. However, given the statements from some political parties, I actually think not the government, but some political parties in Ireland over the last six weeks, you could be forgiven for thinking that the October 7th Hamas attacks never happened. And we've seen a lot of focus on what Israel have done and what the IDF have gone into Gaza. Sometimes that's not prefaced by the absolute outrage of the 1,200 dead, raped, murdered, taken hostage by Hamas. So I do see why Israel might be forgiven for thinking oh my God, they're not even taking it seriously, the hostage taking. Now, I don't think that. I don't think for a minute that the Taoiseach meant that. Um, I, have a bit, I have a little bit of sympathy because I do myself at times, you, you try to be too clever, you try to insert a quote or an illusion or a phrase from literature or from philosophy or whatever into a tweet. Maybe tweet, Twitter isn't the best um, forum for these kind of expressions. And, and as your previous panellist uh, said, maybe a simple statement. And actually the Tory Minister, to be fair, the Minister for Foreign Affairs had a very short but concise statement saying we welcome the release of... Emily Han from the... And there the, was a further Thomas. statement, of I course think, there was. from the no, Taoiseach. I, I actually don't, I don't blame him for this, but I just think that he's gone trouble before putting movie clips into COVID speeches, you know, putting other allusions into various... Maybe this wasn't... And I think it was completely accidental. I, I have a lot of sympathy for him, but, you know, it's international. It's the big stage. We can't be messing around here. Like, we, we just need to get okay. it right. Okay, Marie, did he mess around here, do you think? Uh, look, I, I, I think um, it's probably just a reflection of how Ireland is perceived by yeah. by Israel, yeah. by the Israeli government at the moment. And is and the perception wrong? Uh, absolutely. Like, as in, like the, I think you know, the vast majority of people in Ireland have absolutely rightly called out the atrocities by Hamas on October seventh, but have also pointed to many years now of an apartheid regime uh, within uh, the, the, the West Bank, within the Gaza Strip and, and places where the Palestinian peoples live. And, and that, you know, there's been an increase in the oppression of the Palestinian peoples over the last number of years. Go, and of course, this is going back many, you know, the, the, its origins go back many decades. So I think the, the Irish people have had a very strong record in calling out um, successive Israeli governments and what they've done to Palestinian people. And I think, look, this is, the, you know, the, there was an opportunity taken by the Israeli Defence Forces and the Israeli government to take offence when obviously none was okay. intended. Well, let's just take a look, actually, uh, at a very short clip from the Israeli Defence Forces this evening, their spokesperson who's talking about um, the latest hostage releases. Our hostages are not lost. We won't sit around and hope they're found. We will rescue our hostages at all costs. They've taken huge offence here, John McGurk. Is it justified? Well, it's not just them. And I think the idea, if we believe, delude ourselves into thinking it's just them, that would be a mistake. And I think while I agree absolutely with what both Marie and James have said about the Taoiseach's intention, I think it's worth watching, looking at this in a wider context. A couple of weeks ago, standing in the Dáil, the Taunshten Minister of Foreign Affairs, the leader of Fianna Fáil, Mr Martin, said of Israel that it had, and I quote, an Old Testament 
mindset in relation to the operation that it was conducting in Gaza. I can tell you for a fact that that raised significant eyebrows in diplomatic circles in Dublin, not just in the Israeli embassy, but in others as well. It was followed, people might remember, not very long afterwards by a very pointed tweet from the German embassy about Ireland and anti-Semitism. There's also been eyebrows raised about some comments, frankly, that the president has made and the appropriateness of those. And there is, I think, a, I think there is a, a perception, not just in Israel, but across the Atlantic and in many EU countries, that Ireland is, is taking a particular view on this that is um, out of step with the rest of the Western world, whether that is fair or unfair. And I think that while the Taoiseach uh, probably meant it in a very nice way, I think it's fascinating that Irish politicians, who you couldn't get to quote a biblical reference from one end of the year to the other, all of a sudden start doing it when it's the, when it's the one Jewish state in the world. Okay. I think there's a reason eyebrows are being raised. Okay, Hazel Chu, are we wrong to perhaps be seen as an outlier in our response to what's happening in Israel and Gaza? I think it's good we're seen as an outlier. I, I'm proud of the fact that we're seen as an outlier. There is a occupation, an ongoing occupation in Palestine, and that has not, has not and should not be forgotten. I think in the last 24 hours, it is yet another distraction that's coming up in terms of referencing the Taoiseach Street. There is a ceasefire that needs to continue, needs to be permanent, yet somehow Israel all seems to be able to talk about is Ireland's uh, Twitter behaviour. So I think that distraction here takes away from the substantive, which that the ceasefire needs to be permanent, the occupation needs to be end. And I am very proud we are out, Lara. All right, look, I have to leave it there for now. Uh, that's it from us. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. Thank you to all of my guests from the late team here. Good night and do take care. Bye.